Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 29 of The Word in Youth Ministry. My name is Kyle, and as usual, I'm here with my friends Linda and Matt, and we are excited to enter into, as we are recording this, it is the summer, so we're going to do a special four-part series um, on summer in youth ministry, what we could teach our students. But first, Matt, how are you doing today in the great state of Texas? I am doing well. I just had a little bit of a break. We had Memorial Day, hung out with my wife, Haley's family, uh, so it was just a fun It's been good. It's been excited about summer starting. And Matt, when you think of your years of youth ministry experience, both in the past and even as you interact with students at your church now, what are some of your favorite things of youth ministry in the summer? Oh, it's got to be it's got to be camp. I mean, going to RYM and it's particularly RYM Colorado, the uh, the apex of the RYMs in my mind. Um, But uh, yeah, that that's the best. I mean, throwing everybody on a bus for for 17 hours is not is not easy. Um, but you try to get two seats for yourself as the leader, and uh, and then you can make it okay. Uh, that's awesome. And we will put RYM camps in the show notes. Probably too late for you to reserve a spot this year, but I would second that. I've never taken students to RYM yet, uh, but I have fallen in love with the RYM, uh, Reformed Youth Ministry Organization. And Linda, how are you down in Florida, and what's your favorite thing about summer youth ministry? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, I... I think that just the fact that things really change in the summer is really cool because you get so much more time uh, with students in that, whether it's at the camps um, or just the fact that they are out of school and they are available and I can hang out with them at times when I usually couldn't. Um, it's such a good relational um, and community building time for the ministry. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, even like last week school let out here and like the next day I was taking girls out to lunch and it's just fun. I've had summers in the past where kids were gone, like most weeks for a vacation or some other camp or whatever, but this year it looks like most of my girls are going to be around most of the time. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I'd say that's probably one of my favorite things here in Ohio is just the fact that students have more margin, not all students, but a lot of students have more margin in their schedules. And even I had a student the other night who texted me about something. And as schools are letting out, it's a lot easier to say, do you want to meet me for lunch at Chipotle on whatever day uh, than being like, okay, well, you're going to be in school and then you have practice. And then like, and so, yeah, I'm a big fan of summer youth ministry. Well, like I said, when we started, this is episode 29. And what we're going to do is a special four-part series. Uh, you might These are going to be released in the summer, but you might be listening to them at a different time of year. Uh, just think of the warm sunshine as you listen, if you're listening in the winter. Um, but we're going to do a four-part series thinking about teaching our students specifically a framework that uh, the three of us and many others have felt Um, is helpful way not only to view scripture, the storyline of scripture, but as a way to teach it so that our students can not only more understand God's word, but um, know God more through the study of their word. Uh, So this episode 29, we're going to look at the uh, topic of creation. And then the next three, we're going to look at fall, redemption, and consummation. So to start us off here, as we think about creation, uh, the topic of God creating everything and what that means for students, Matt is going to start us off thinking about how we could teach that to our students. 
Yeah, let me just start by reading a couple of verses in uh, Genesis 1. Let's start at the very beginning. It's a good place to start, right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God goes through the creation of, uh, on six days, and then on the sixth day, he creates, um, in verse 26, the apex of his creation. That's the second time I've used the word apex in this podcast already. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So uh, just a couple of things here to point out. When we think about creation, we have to think about who am I and who is God? Or maybe more importantly, who am I in light of who God is. And there are really two big things that I want to see. First is just the idea of an image. Um, if we think about an image in the ancient Near East, God, when uh, or uh, kings, when they conquered territories and lands, they would set up statues of themselves. They wanted everybody to know who was in charge or in control of a certain area. And it's really interesting to see that the image that God sets up is not an image of stone or clay, it's an image of a human being. Um, and so the first thing that we see when we think about image within this ancient Near Eastern context is, oh, God is actually sending forward something that theologians call vice regents or vice gerents. Think, think Jafar, the royal vizier, except for in a nice way, um, to help rule the territory that he's created. Another really in interesting thing about this idea of image is when you look at yourself in the mirror, the image that stares back at you, the only thing that's there is it's it's a just a it's just a reflection, right? There's no there's nothing living in that image. It's a it's kind of a picture that mimics your every movement. Okay, so now think about that when it comes to humanity. If we image God and we're three-dimensional, thinking, believing, choosing, volitional beings, what does that mean about who God is, right? If the disparity or the distance between an image in the mirror and me is so great, just imagine what the difference or, just, or beauty of who God is in his infinite uh, uh, value and worth and, and, and being compared to uh, the image of humanity. Um, so there's kind of two thoughts about image. The second thing, the second thing that I think I want to point out about this Genesis 1 passage is that God is giving us a vocation. He's giving us a calling. If you notice at the very beginning of Genesis, the earth was without form and it was void. That means it, it hadn't been formed. It hadn't been kind of like God's handiwork. He hadn't shaped the earth yet, and it was void. It was uninhabited. And one of the things that God goes about doing in the entire creation account is he goes and he forms it. So he makes like sea and land, and then he puts plants in, and then he fills it. He puts sea creatures and air creatures and animals and finally humanity. So he forms and he fills the earth. And then when he creates humanity as the apex of his creation, humanity then is meant to form and fill the earth as well, go forth and multiply. So we, we are actually, what we're doing as we image God is we are expanding on the creation that he began by, in this case, uh, making babies 
and working a garden and tilling it and expanding the garden. So we, he gives us both an insight into who he is and insight into who we are in the very first chapter of Genesis 1. Yeah, there's actually so much that we could say about like how creation informs who we are, right? And like uh, image of God stuff is is really important to talk about. It has so many implications for how we view not only ourselves, but others. Um, I think another thing that I've had pointed out to me recently too is um, the way that the creation passages show us um, our limits and our dependency um, I want to say it was a Paul Tripp thing I was reading years ago that pointed out like the fact that after God makes humans, he has to give them instructions and tell them like what their purpose is and all it's like, that shows that we were not just self-sufficient creatures the moment we were created, you know, like, like it, it's not part of the fall that we are dependent. We were dependent before the fall. We are not created to be self-sufficient. And so we're dependent on God and others were dependent on, you know, the resources God gives us in this earth, um, those sorts of things. And we have limits. We, we image God, but we are not God. Um, we cannot do everything ourselves. Um, and so that, that's another thing that it has so many implications for how we live our lives. Cause our students are in some ways being pushed to live without limits and to, you know, never rest and all these other things. Um, cause there's just such high expectations on them for resume building. Um, but creation is showing we, we were made, um, to, to live within our limits. We are made to live dependent on others and to not be self-sufficient. Um, I think those are, are things that we can often miss that we're part of God's good design. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Linda, because I think that as we think about uh, if it's part of God's good design, then obviously he was the one who was the ultimate designer in the beginning. And I was just thinking about this topic, and if I was teaching it to students and trying to help them understand theology in the midst of it, uh, one of my favorite things to do with students is help them connect the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, because I just think there's so many students today who assume that the God of the Old Testament is different than Jesus in the New Testament, and so I just think about Colossians 1, if I was teaching on creation, um, I'd go to Colossians 1, verse 16, and we learn two very important things in Colossians 1, 16. Uh, the verse says, Paul wrote, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. So two things we learned from this verse, which I think are helpful, um, and I would just recommend our listeners, uh, this is why a good study Bible is useful. Uh, we've talked a lot about the ESV Student Study Bible, um, or just the ESV Study Bible in general on this podcast, but I have mine open here, and, and two things that come to mind is, one, uh, Jesus was present at creation. So for students who believe that the God of the Old Testament, or maybe they hear arguments from their friends that the God of the Old Testament is different than Jesus, well, Jesus was present at creation. Paul said all things were created through him and for him, which helps us understand how they were created through Jesus and why they were created for Jesus. So we can look at our students and say, we know why you were created. You were created for Jesus. But the second thing that comes to mind here is some people think that Jesus was created. 
right? Throughout all of, um, throughout church history, right? There were heresies thinking about that Jesus was created. But I love how the ESV Student Study Bible um, mentions this um, just so clearly and why I like putting this study Bible in the hands of my students. Uh, it says, Jesus cannot be the first thing created since he himself created all things. And so it just reminds us, uh, simply put, when we're talking about these ideas um, of creation, that we need to always look for opportunities um, to teach theology to the students. Um, and I guess lastly, when we think about Jesus being there, we see the Trinity in, uh, in the first chapter of Genesis. The Spirit, uh, as Matt mentioned, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. We see the Father there creating, and we know that Jesus was present because all things were created through him and for him. So we can't miss that. Um, as we think about what we're going to teach our students. Um, Matt. Yeah, I, you know, just to, it's, it's such good stuff, just to piggyback a little bit off of what Linda was saying in terms of our limits. If we think about, you know, one of the things, I think she's so right, it's such a difficult world right now. A lot of times our kids say something like, oh, well, we're humans, we're not perfect. And, and, um, and that's absolutely right. But I think if we, if we're striving perfection in some areas, we're generally striving for uh, what she was hinting at or saying, which is limitlessness, which is something that's not given to humanity. That's something that's only given to God. We image God in many ways, but we don't image God in terms of his eternality. Um, that, that is, we're, we're not immortal um, in the way that God is or eternal in the way that God is. Um, we're not all-knowing, we're not everywhere, and we're trying to do that. And it's really interesting if you look at Genesis 2, um, God wants to take Adam through a learning process because there's not a helper fit for him. And so God's like, hey, well, let's let's parade these animals in front of you and see if you can find something that works for you. <laughs> you know, and what God is trying to do here is he's actually saying, look, just because you're you're in moral perfection does not mean that you have all the answers right now. Um, and so, oh, okay, like that elephant, that that elephant and I, we're, we're not gonna get along in a marriage couple very well, right? And so he goes through, he goes through until he comes to the point where he's like, oh, Eve, a woman, a, something that's like unto me, that's who I need. And um, and uh, the, the way that I think this is so important and it shakes out with our students is, as I like to tell them, mistakes are not sins. Mistakes are not sins. Learning, getting things wrong, getting a C minus on a test, as long as you, you know, like tried your hardest or whatever, that's actually not a function of the fall. Um, that's just a function of you being human. And guess what? Even in eternity, we're going to continue to learn and to grow. And so what we should be prioritizing is what God prioritizes, his righteousness and holiness, even more than we prioritize, you know, being perfect. I think the burden of perfection on our shoulders is just so, so hard for us. And it's just not even given to us, even when we were perfect and even when we were morally perfect or upright in creation. Yeah, and I think that this is something that, as we've been mentioning, like teenagers have more weight on their shoulders than they ever have. And so for the youth workers who are listening or the moms and dads who are thinking about how to teach the Bible to their students, right, as students grow in Scripture and meditate and dwell and abide in Scripture, um, what they should be realizing is they can yoke onto Jesus, right, and that Jesus takes the weight of the world off of our shoulders because he took our sin and I just think as we think about creation, if a student has a correct view of creation, it can help them have a correct view of what God has created, uh, which is their world. And I think the last thing I want to say real quick before we take a break is we were uh, having a conversation before we started recording. I would just want to encourage youth workers that sometimes when we talk about creation, 
the first thing we always jump to is, is the world 4.2 billion years old? What about evolution? What about all of these things? And I would just say like the, the wrong thing to do is totally avoid that, but don't feel like you need to tackle that right away or even um, just make sure that we are teaching the Bible and make sure that we are pointing students to resources that can help them understand that stuff. Um, But don't feel, I I know that sometimes, especially some youth workers who um, are volunteering their time, who are trying to think about um, what that looks like. um, Remember, we need to focus on the primary things and we need to focus And the primary thing, as Matt said, is what God has revealed in his word, which is right in front of us. So we're going to take a quick break here. Um, I did want to remind you that we'd love uh, to hear your feedback and um, just even uh, topics for future episodes. Uh, you can email us at the word in YM at cpyu.org. That's the word in YM at cpyu.org. And uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, know about what um, future episodes you'd like to hear from. Lastly, I'd just like to say uh, episode eight um, so one of our first episodes uh, is on is titled The Story of Scripture. And so that is a one episode where we look at all four of these, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Um, but now this is more in depth and the next three will be as always. So we'll take a short break and then we'll come right back. Hey, youth workers, this is Walt Mueller from CPYU. I want to encourage you to expand your ministry to parents by working to encourage, educate, and equip them to effectively nurture their kids in the faith in the midst of our rapidly changing youth culture. One of our most popular free resources, our Youth Culture Today Daily One Minute Podcast, is designed to help you do just that. You can find an archive of hundreds of episodes on our website at cpyu.org, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Expand your ministry to parents by pointing them to our Youth Culture Today podcast. We're back on the Word and Youth Ministry talking about creation this week. And uh, one other thing I thought we should point out is that it's in the creation story that we are given work to do. Um, so often we treat work like it's something that we just have to power through and it's bad, um, but it's not. It's part of God's good design. That's something we can be talking uh, with students about as they're thinking about what they might want to do as a vocation when they get um, you know, out of high school and out of college, if they're going to college and, and all of that. Um, you know, and, and are they thinking about work as something that they... Um, they're just trying to make as much money as possible as quickly as possible so that they don't have to work anymore for a good chunk of their life. Is that what we're designed for? Or is it maybe something a little bit different? Is, is work really part of um, something that we're called to um, perhaps not until just we're 50 if you wanted to retire earlier, you know, whatever. Um, but there's this good um, purpose in our work um, we can see that in, in creation. That's something we can be talking with students about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and a couple of other things that we can look at as well is one thing that I care about a lot is just this, the image of God in all humanity. And, uh, if you go to Genesis five, three, uh, it says this, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. And one of the things that that's teaching us and helping us to understand is that every single person 
is by natural generation is made in the image of God, which means that we're all in some way children of God. Now, um, uh, what that means is that we all um, we have some solidarity with each other. We connect. We, we can connect in so many ways with people who are both in the faith and outside of the faith. The problem with the fall, which we'll talk about later, but the problem is, is that not everyone wanted to make good on that relationship with God. In fact, humanity emancipated themselves from their from their uh, from the family of God. And so, in the gospel, um, we who are called by His grace become again children of God, adopted into His family. But there's still a sense where we're all His offspring, as Paul says in Acts chapter 17. So we have solidarity with with other with everyone in humanity. Uh, the other thing that I think is really important, especially for our day and age, is that the physical matters. When God created us, He didn't create us uh, floating spirits. He created us with bodies. And our bodies are true reference to who we are, who, who we are, and who God is. Um, we were meant to be a, a, what we call a psychosomatic union for all time. What that means is that our spirit and our bodies were always meant to be unified forever. It's only when death comes in the picture, when the fall comes in the picture, that the spirit and the body have to separate for a time. But it's really important to recognize that the body that I have tells me something about who I am. Uh, and, and this just goes to a larger picture. Creation itself um, tells us who God is. We often think that Scripture is, is the only truth. Well, creation actually speaks the exact same kind of truth, or it speaks true truth as well. Scripture tr speaks true truth, and creation speaks true truth about who we are and who God is. Um, the only problem is, is that we always misread creation. And so we need scripture to help us read creation correctly to understand who we are and who God is. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that, Matt, because I think that oftentimes, uh, especially like we mentioned earlier about, um, just so much debate about, um, how long things were created and, and what actually happened. We can accidentally train students to just not look at creation, um, because we're trying to get them to think through how this actually happened in a certain amount of time. But we want students to look at creation because when they look at creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. And I just think that it makes sense that if creation starts and, and we read about it in Genesis, um, I want to close this podcast by thinking about uh, what the living creatures say in Revelation chapter four, where it says they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they existed and were created. And so we just see that creation was in the beginning of the Bible and creation is in the end of the Bible. We see the Bible starts with a garden and we see at the end of Revelation, it talks about a city with a river running through it. Um, we see this imagery just continue to move throughout the Bible. And this is why uh, this framework, creation, fall, redemption, consummation can be helpful to teach students. Um, as we conclude this episode, I do want to recommend one uh, resource for you. Um, it's titled, it's a book titled Creation Regained, Biblical Basics for a Reformational Worldview. Um, it's by a guy named Albert M. Walters. And uh, here at CPYU, we have found this as a helpful resource um, and has really shaped a lot of what we do. If you go to our website, cpyu.org, uh, we have a lot of information um, using this framework. And a lot of it um, came originally from um, this book, Creation Regained. So uh, this book will be on our show notes. Um, as, as Also, you can find any of the previous episodes and other resources that we have recommended. So this has been episode 29 of the Word and Youth Ministry, and we will, see, we will talk to you next time.
Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.